Hello and welcome to Living Proof, the Isaac Newton Institute podcast. My name is Dan Aspel. In this episode, we'll be speaking to Coralie Colmes, author of the young adult book, The Irrational Diary of Clara Valentine, which was recently chosen as one of Chalk Dust magazine's books of the year. It is available as a free PDF and is dedicated to all the girls who love maths. We hope you enjoyed the episode. So welcome to Living Proof, Coralie Colmes. It is fantastic to have you here. Thanks very much for having me, Dan. Uh, so we're here today, as I mentioned in the introduction to this podcast, to talk about your book, which is called The Irrational Diary of Clara Valentine. And it was recently awarded Chalk Dust's Book of the Year. But first of all, for anyone who may not have heard of it, can you tell us a little bit about the book? What's the, the sell for the book that you have written? Um, so my book is a YA novel, which means that it's aimed at students that are aged sort of 15 to 20. And it's a really exciting, fun story. It's a, you know, normal page turner novel, but it also has a lot of really beautiful maths. Um, the maths is definitely an important part of the book. It's about in, in terms of quantity, maybe 20%. Um, but it's also just my own favorite topics that I studied when I was at university or, or just outside of my studies, things that I learned about. It's stuff that you wouldn't normally see if you're in high school, but it's really, you know, very easy to understand or not easy, but perfectly possible to understand for a high school student because it doesn't lean on, you know, any complicated math to get started. And yeah, I just wanted to get that type of math out to more people because I think it's a bit sad that you would only learn about it if you actually go to university to study math or if you you know, read book about maths. Um, so I wanted to bring it out to more people. And I also love just fun novels. So I wanted to write one of those as well. <laughs> so it sounds like that's actually quite a difficult thing to do to uh, create a novel which is fast paced and interesting to read, but also contains a lot of decent scientific content. I presume that must have been quite challenging. It was quite challenging. Um, I think that one of the things that was really important to me to do is to really get into the head of Clara. So Clara's the narrator and we're reading her diary, as you can imagine by the title. So you're, we're really in her head. And I really wanted to translate what it's like to actually grapple with a problem. And I think that's actually an exciting thing in itself. So, so that helps with the excitement. Obviously, the other things that help with the excitement is that solving these math problems will allow Clara to you know, get further in the mystery she's trying to solve. So she's trying to find someone who's disappeared. Um, so that makes things a bit more exciting anyway. But I, I think really understanding how people think about maths is also very exciting in, in and of itself. And what inspired you to write the book then? Because it's, it's, you know, we all have these ideas, or at least many of us do. We have ideas and then we don't follow through on them. But obviously these ideas occurred to you and then you put in the time and effort to, to create this book. What, what inspired that? What actually gave you the impetus to do so? So actually when I was pretty young, um, 22, I wrote a book with my mum. My mum is a mathematician. She's a researcher in mathematics. And we wrote a book together which was a um, popular maths book. So it's nonfiction, 
It's about um, maths used during criminal trials and in, in particular trials where they made a mistake in the mathematical calculations. It's called Math on Trial, actually. And I really enjoyed the experience of writing and we were lucky because the book actually did really well. It got translated in several languages and it, it did pretty well. I even earned some money from it. <laughs> I think that's a, quite and, an achievement in, in yes. the world of books. <laughs> it, was, it was great. But um, to be honest, it's not the type of book that I naturally will decide to read for myself. I'm a, I'm a fiction reader. And my dream was really to write something that I would naturally go and pick off a, sh off a shelf myself. Um, but I also really enjoyed popularizing, popularizing maths. And I really enjoyed all the discussions that I got to have after that book came out, the one I wrote with my mom. And I enjoyed, I got invited to give talks to students and talk at mathematical events. I really loved that type of thing. So I wanted to see if I can, if I could find a way to combine both. Fantastic. So yes, a, a really interesting place to come from there. Now, my assumption is that you have a background in mathematics yourself. Your mother's a mathematician, but you also are a mathematician? Yes. My, first of all, both my parents are mathematicians. Okay. <laughs> so yes, that's a lot of math in my life. Um, but I also studied mathematics at Cambridge. I did a, just an undergraduate degree. That was enough academia for me. I think I was more of a, of a um, you know, um, working world I don't want to make it sound like academia is not a working world, but I wanted to be like out, you know, there, I don't know, producing something, I guess, uh, which my parents found very hard to understand. <laughs> um, but yes, so I did an undergraduate degree in math and I've had math surrounding my whole life. Mm. And I mean, it obviously means enough to you to be fascinated enough to write a book where it is a core part of the storyline as well. So it's not just something that you studied at university, but obviously uh, something of a passion. Yeah, I, I really love studying and I really love the moment of understanding something in math. I also really think math is beautiful. Like there's an aspect to math that's like art to me. And I think a lot of, a lot of mathematicians feel the same way. That's the type of thing that I, I want to get other people to understand who, who it might not feel as evident for because maybe they find math a little bit difficult or, or it's been taught in a, in a way that's, you know, very much about can you do this problem or not? Um, yes, it can feel, can't it, like um, either you can do it or you can't. I mean, that's that's something we, we hear quite often. And, and it's a, quite a popular topic with guests who've appeared on this podcast before is talking about why it is that the general public historically bounces off maths. Because you ask most people, they'll simply tell you, I was useless at that, and they'll leave it at that. And, uh, and they'll be quite content to say that. And I don't think you would be content to say that with most other topics. You wouldn't just say, no, I'm terrible. I can't do that. I can't do it. You know? Um, no, definitely not. Yeah. I also, I, I also think that like, I'm completely fine with reading about a philosophy topic that I find interesting without completely understanding all of it. You know, I, I'm fine with having a different level of understanding than like a really deep, perfect understanding. And I think that if math is not, you know, what you do for, for a living, then it's also fine to have that kind of understanding about some mathematical topics. You can appreciate the beauty of a lot of stuff without understanding every little thing about it. So you mentioned that the um, target audience is this YA group. Um, do you think that this, the people who may be listening to this who will read the book or buy the book would be either part of that age group or perhaps those who are parents to uh, sort of older children? 
Uh, or do you think that adults themselves could enjoy this as well? I think adults can definitely enjoy it. Um, it's, it's a very quick read, so it's not going to take up much of your time. And I think that sometimes it's it's pretty fun for adults to read YA. I know that I, I enjoy reading some YA occasionally. And the math itself is definitely interesting for any age. Uh, if it's something you haven't seen before, and I think that a lot of adults won't have seen it before, then it's exciting. Um, I also think that hopefully I've managed to capture the current generation of teens who I think are are just really exciting people. So hopefully that's a side of things that's interesting for, for anyone. Um, I also wanted to say that I, I specifically wanted it to be for older teenagers because actually I think there's a lot of great writing already out there for younger children or younger teenagers that are really good at making math seem fun. And in fact, I think younger children normally do think math is fun. I mean, it's very rare to talk to a young child who says math isn't fun. And so there's something that happens somewhere in secondary school or or sixth form that puts people off math. And that was the age group that I wanted to really speak to. Mm, yeah, that's a really interesting point of view. I mean, my, my personal experience tallies with that of, of you know myself and others. Um, so really interesting there. So the audience for it is fairly broad. Can you, it's a difficult question, but can you give us any suggestion of the nature of the maths in the book? Are there any examples you want to share or any particular highlights? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, really, I would say the topic that I was most blown away by when I was a, a student at university was un, just the topic of infinity and really understanding how different different the infinite world is to our world and just how our intuition about infinite world can i mean we can just get it completely wrong because it doesn't behave at all like our world and yeah i just was completely flabbergasted when, when we first started learning about this so that's covered in actually two different um chapters in the book that's probably my favorite excellent oh, well thank you for sharing that preview for us there um so there has been already quite a lot of reception to the book. I guess the most notable being that uh, Chalk Dust magazine gave it a Book of the Year award. So many congratulations on that. How do you Thank feel you. about that award and how do you feel about the general reception that the book has had so far? The award was definitely the most exciting thing that's happened. <laughs> um, I, I was just, I, I was so, I mean, I was really delighted to get it and also um, you haven't mentioned this, but the book is self-published because I, I found it hard to, I found it, I, I had a lot of traditional publishers interested in it, but they were all a bit worried about some aspect or other of the book. So someone asked me to get rid of the mask. Someone asked me to get rid of, um, there's some sexual content, which is age appropriate for the age group that it's written for, but some publishers were a bit nervous about it. So I ended up talking to a lot of big publishers and I really thought it would happen that way um, at one point, but it didn't in the end. So I went ahead and self-published it. Um, and what's really cool about the Chalk Dust Prize is that the previous winners are all much more famous than me. They're all traditionally published and it just feels really, I'm really proud to be in that list. <laughs> and actually I won it um, I didn't win it on my own. There was another winner who's Ben Orlin, who's, you know, very famous, very famous, um, popular mathematical writer. And um, I'm really happy to share this crown with him. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really interesting what you said about how one publisher wanted you to remove the mathematical content. I mean, 
uh, presumably you're left with something, you're quite a lot of a book, but kind of the heart of it missing. Yes, I, I really, I mean, there was no way I would ever have said yes to that. <laughs> it seemed like a really crazy request to me. They also then suggested I first write a book with no maths so that um, this book wouldn't be my debut, but I wasn't interested in doing that either. So a lot of interesting interactions, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. And to be fair to them, they gave me really good notes. So I think the book is much better after all of these discussions, but it was also obviously frustrating. So I wonder if, um, if based on this experience, if you want to continue writing, I wonder if you will then have more clout with publishing companies based on having self-published and found success. I'm really hoping so. And I do... I've obviously been thinking a lot about what happens to Clara after the end of the book. It ends on a cliffhanger, so <laughs> um, so there's definitely lots of other stuff that could happen. And I've I've thought about how she would evolve, and in particular, I I really have thought about what she would be like at university because I think that's a really exciting time exciting time in a young person's life. Um, so I would love to write a second book. And if traditional publishers were interested in it, that would be obviously great. But otherwise, I've enjoyed self-publishing. Um, it's really fun, actually, to be re responsible for every bit of a book. So in a way, I'm glad that I had that experience. And um, this might be a slightly difficult question, but um, the way that you said, the, the way that you answered that previous question about how you want to find out what happens to Clara next, you've been thinking about that, um, is a lot of it driven by that character. Uh, did, did you put a lot of yourself into the character? Or, is the story and your desire to write it based upon a sort of uh, relationship with this person that you've created? Is is she the core of, of yes. what you're doing? Yes, I, re I, I really, obviously I did put a lot of myself into Clara. In, in a lot of ways, she's not like me at all, but in a lot of ways she is. Um, but I definitely feel like I've spent so much time with her. I mean, I actually, I first had the idea for the book something like 12 years ago, so... She's been in my mind for really a long time, and I feel like she's someone that I know, and um, I definitely think of her in that way. So, yeah, I definitely want to see what happens to her next. Well, I, I very much hope that uh, anyone who's listening to this that is intrigued by the idea gets to know Clara as well. And um, thank you very much <laughs> for taking the time to share that with us. Um, and uh, I, I look forward to finding out more about how it succeeds and, and, and where it goes from here and, uh, and whether there's a sequel appearing at any point soon. I also look forward to finding out about that. <laughs> I, I'm actually, I, I really have enjoyed the reception so far. Um, people who read it generally really enjoy it and I have really interesting conversations about it. So I've, I found that whole aspect of the experience great. I guess so. the, the only final question to ask you is um, where can people find it? Where could they go if they want to uh, get a digital or printed copy? A digital copy is pretty easy. You can go online on most of the usual places. So Amazon, of course, but if you want to avoid Amazon, it's on all the bookstore um, websites like Waterstones, Foils. In person, I'm still working on. So when it happens, I'll definitely announce it. Um, I think you can find it in person in a few Waterstones, but that seems to be very ad hoc. And yeah, hopefully more soon <laughs> so track down a physical copy if you can but otherwise it's very easy to get a digital one um 
Yeah. Well, that's been great. So thank you very much, Coralie, for your time and for explaining this. And um, and as I say, I hope that anyone listening is intrigued enough to uh, click the link, which I shall put in the show description and, uh, and get to know Clara Valentine. Uh, so thanks again for your time. Thanks very much, Pam.